Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Ahoy. Permission to come aboard. Permission granted. The Starship uh, Trek Trek prize. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Justin, how's it going? What have you been up to? Uh, pretty good. I went to Emerald City Comic Con this past weekend. Awesome. Uh, I saw Marina Sirtis in a panel. Yeah. Yeah. And, what did uh, she have to say for herself? Uh, she was, was she just... being empathic? <laughs> uh, no, almost the opposite. No, uh, she was <laughs> <laughs> she was really standoffish. Uh, people from the audience came up for help, and she said, "No way! What do I look like a counselor?" Uh, she was she was really awesome. I cool. Mean, uh, she was great live. Uh, she had really funny stories to tell, and yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I kind of wish I had paid to get her autograph or a picture with her or something but i didn't so uh was there was she doing that after the panel yeah uh, at emerald city they have like this whole section where the celebrities are there and you can you know pay to have pictures taken with them or get their autograph or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean there was a couple firefly people there and uh, of course those lines were big yeah, well, it would have been great if you had had a uh, Marina Sirtis figure. Uh, a uh, Well, not a Marina Sirtis figure. <laughs> if you had a Deanna Troy figure. If you had a Marina Sirtis figure, I mean, maybe those exist. That might be a little creepy. Yeah, just a little bit. Or you say, oh, Miss, Miss Sirtis, uh, this is a handmade Marina Sirtis figure. Um, <laughs> I crafted myself uh, from parts of Barbie dolls. Uh, I was hoping you would sign it, please. There's, it was great to see all the uh, Star Trek love. Uh, a lot of people wearing Starfleet uniforms and stuff. Uh, oh, that is cool. I mean, we, it was something we pointed out after we went to the San Jose Super Toy Show is that it seemed like there was a lot of Star Trek fandom. Like, it was still pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we saw, I would say, I mean, we saw a lot of Star Wars fans, clearly. But uh, we saw a lot of Star Trek fans at that one, too. And uh, we, we definitely saw that there was some Star Trek stuff that, even we wanted that got that sold out yeah um there was like okay amount of star trek merch uh mm-hmm. a lot of people were i mean star trek fans were picking that up um but i don't know i there's nothing that was really speaking to me so i didn't pick anything up mm-hmm. yeah but still sounds like it was a cool panel yeah it was definitely a cool panel um of interest to our listeners mm-hmm. uh how was your weekend Oh, it's pretty good. Um, so far, so good. Uh, not a lot of, um, not a lot of Star Trek stuff going on. Um, definitely, I watched uh, the episode we're about to talk about, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I've been playing uh, some games. Uh, I built a new gaming PC uh, a week or so ago, and I've been playing some games that I've been meaning to get into. Um, and a couple of those I've been playing. Um, a couple of the different Telltale game series. Uh, I just finished The Wolf Among Us, uh, which is exceptionally good, and I recommend uh, anyone who's into really good adventure games to check out, even if you've never seen Fables at all. Oh, that reminds um, me. I did hmm. see someone cosplaying as Snow White from Wolf Among Us. Oh, that's great. With the lines and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. I'll have to see if anyone took a picture of her. Uh, I mean, that sounds kind of creepy, and if anyone's (laughs) played The Wolf Among Us, uh, it's extra creepy, but, um, yeah, that is cool. So, yeah, I played, I played through that, um, all five, uh, parts of it, 
uh, and that was actually in the past week. So I just finished that, but I've been playing the Telltale's um, Game of Thrones. And, uh, I'm really, I'm also really, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan of the, I've never, haven't read the books, but I'm a big fan of the TV series and I'm really enjoying that. It feels a lot like the show and bringing this back around to Star Trek to say that, um, I would love to see, uh, what Telltale could do with a Star Trek adventure game. Mm. Um, I think an episode, episodic Star Trek game could be killer, um, I think if they could, you know, even if it was, I mean, I could understand them wanting to make it just a one story adventure, but the episodic format makes it, lends itself even better to something like Star Trek. If every episode of, say, if there were five or six in a season could be a different adventure, mm-hmm. different little mini episode or something. Um, and yeah, it could be. I love to see basically anything. I imagine it could be really cool as a classic track or next generation. Um, I don't know if they'll ever do anything like that. I know that there were some, there were some, uh, Star Trek, uh, point and click adventures back in the day that I'm, now that I've got a PC again, I really want to check out, um, play some retro games. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I've been up to. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Oh, I, games. I did want to bring up that today, the day that we're recording, is mm-hmm. uh, Marina Sirtis's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Counselor Troy. Yeah. I'm and... sure you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there's some Trek news in the entertainment world. It sounds like uh, Star Trek Three might have a villain. Oh, that's uh, right. Idris Elba. Yeah. Luther himself slash, uh, what's his name, from Thor. Heimdall, Heimdall, right? Yep, and Stringer Bell from The Wire. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and he was in um, uh, Pacific Rim. Oh, of course. Probably some genre fans remember him from that. It's one of the better parts of that movie. <laughs> the talky parts of that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that could be great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the rumor is that the movie will be very Klingon-focused, so mm. he'll probably be in makeup. Oh, Idris Elba has a Klingon. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I hope that they get Michael Dorn in there somehow. I hope so. He deserves to uh, to have a major role as a Klingon. Not, I mean, obviously, probably not as Worf, but <laughs> it'd be awesome if he was just able to make an appearance. You know, well, if, if you recall, he was in Star Trek VI. That's true. So, there you go. Maybe there could be some crossover. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, what I, I read about, uh, the new Trek movie was that, uh, I think it was Simon Pegg talking about it a bit. And, uh, he was saying some things around it's, uh, about it, it being less dark than Into Darkness and it being, uh, getting a little bit back to the, um, sort of the, the tone of the first J.J. Abrams Trek movie where it was a little bit more about kind of ex, exploration and adventure um so that could be interesting mm-hmm. yeah no i i actually like both trek movies or both abrams trek movies a lot so that's not meant as a slight against into darkness actually i i know that into darkness gets a lot of hate but i really liked it so yeah i had a good time with it um mm-hmm. i didn't like it as much as the first abrams one but mm-hmm. i don't know i still enjoyed it yeah uh, you want to talk about the episode we saw? Yeah, sure. I'm just kidding, <laughs> of course. Let's talk about, uh, Rogue Planet. Yeah, season one, episode 18. Wow. 
Remember when sci-fi shows used to have, like, 20-plus episodes per season? I'm, I miss that nowadays. Well, this season is going to be, what, 26, I think? Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. so we still got a ways to go with season one. Uh, original air date for Rogue Planet, uh, March 20th, 2002. Yeah. Almost, line, long ago. Al- yeah. almost lines up. We're recording on the 29th of March. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> almost 12 years later. <laughs> we're revisiting... Uh, track the episode opens with archer in the captain's chair and he's looking uncomfortable and trip is taking his picture mm-hmm. uh, he has to pose for uh, uh pictures so that they can have a painting made for starfleet command and we learn that the artist of this painting is in oakland yeah which so is local. Uh, Local to me right now. Yeah, I mean, real near you. That artist could be in art school in Oakland right now. Maybe not that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too too early for that. But maybe that artist hasn't been born yet in Oakland. Yeah, I I noticed that um, uh, showing a little bit of how this was say pre iPhone era, that like four years before four or five years before the iPhone and that they were still using standalone cameras that all they, all it was, was a camera. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also noted that the meeting room in the back of the bridge is called the situation room. Hmm. So there you go. We know that because trip asked to Paul to turn the lights off in the situation room. And she doesn't seem to want to do that. (laughs) Nope. Uh, we also learned that Vulcans are recognized for their accomplishments, not their appearance. Mm-hmm. Though important Vulcans get mummified. Mm. Uh, just then, Reed says that they're approaching a planet. A rogue planet. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, rogue planet means that it's broken out of its orbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trip takes the opportunity to take a picture of Archer in action. Then it's the opening credits. Uh, when the show comes back, uh, Tsapal says that there are lots of animals on the planet and that it's not a frozen planet because hot gas is being emitted from under the planet's surface. Hmm. There's no evidence of humanoid life, but Reed has detected a ship. Uh, a shuttle pod containing Archer, Hoshi, Reed, and Tapal heads towards the planet. On the surface, the away team has flashlights and phase pistols in their hands and devices on their heads. And I noted that these devices are like the Konami laser scope, if you recall that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Or, or scouters from Dragon Ball Z. Yes, that's true. They are. They they want you to really want you to know that these are night vision devices because they're very green. <laughs> they also give away. They're not only let you see in the dark, but they give away your position. Yeah, it's kind of like Sam Fisher's night vision goggles. Yeah, it, it does. I, I what I noted was that it looks like it it helps because so much of the episode is in is dark. It's such a dark episode that they need you need to be able to see uh, where people are, where the characters are. So you could they say they're had... trekking into darkness. Ooh, this one, the alternate episode title for this could have been Into Darkness. <laughs> uh, we learned that both Archer and Reed were Eagle Scouts. Reed had 28 merit badges and Archer had 26. So the silly me was there thinking, wait, the Boy Scouts are just an American institution. But I mean, it's interesting to see that they've, uh, they've, they're still around in the not so near future. Yep. 
Um, just then, T'Pol stops them because she senses something. Uh, Archer activates his headset, which gives him night vision, as you said. And they find some sort of glowing centipede-type creature. And Archer cracks a joke about earning an exobiology badge, but Reed already has one. Yes, so apparently yeah, future uh, Boy Scouts, future Eagle Scouts can look forward to exobiology badges. Uh, Hoshi finds a campsite. There's no one there. Uh, Reed and T'Pol go out to find the ship that they detected earlier. Someone is watching T'Pol. It has red night vision as opposed to the way team's green. Mm-hmm. Uh, T'Pol detects a humanoid biosign for a moment, but then it disappears. Just then, a gun-wielding humanoid jumps out and knocks down Reed, and it turns out there are two of them. Uh, everyone lowers their weapons, and uh, they head back towards the campsite. Uh, the campsite now has a fire going, and there's a third gun-toting alien there with Archer and Hoshi. Uh, already there? Archer introduces Reed and T'Pol to the aliens, called the Eska. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one who's sitting with Archer and Hoshi introduces himself as Damaris. So not the Seska, mind you, Voyager fans. No, the Eska. Eska. (laughs) Uh, Damaris explains that it's weird for them to find humanoids on the planet and that the planet is no one's territory, but it is a special place to the Eska. Uh, Archer wants to stay on the planet and explore because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, Damaris doesn't seem too keen on that. Uh, later, the away team and the Eska are having dinner. Uh, Archer and Reed are really enjoying the Drajan meat. Mm. Uh, not digger meat. Not digger meat. Drajan is kind of like a wild boar type creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we see one later. Yeah, yes. that's right. We do. <laughs> Uh, the reason why the away team didn't detect the Eska before is because they have sensing cloaks. Uh, they are hunters who have been coming to the planet for nine generations. Uh, so they're kind of like predators. Yes, exactly. Basically, well, except you can see them, but they're cloaked to, uh, they're cloaked to sensors at least. Right. Uh, they they say they do not hunt the higher primates. However. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer tells Damaris that hunting ended on Earth over a hundred years ago. Uh, Reed is impressed with their gear, which he believes to be too elaborate for hunting game. Uh, he would also like to join the Eska on one of their hunts because he wants to see how the Eska snuck up on them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like get the drop, uh, getting the drop on him, right? Or having someone get the drop on him. That's right. <laughs> uh, and he promises Archer that he won't kill anything. I promise. Uh, there's Captain Starlog. Trip and Malcolm bring Hoshi back to the Enterprise, and they bring back some camping gear. Hoshi's not too keen on camping. Uh, in the launch bay, Hoshi is happy to be back on the ship, and she and Reed scare Trip by talking about worms that crawl into your ears and lay eggs. Mm-hmm. And remind me of those worms from Star Trek Two. Yep, that's what I was thinking as well. Uh, back on the planet, T'Pol plans how they should bring the crew down to the surface. Everyone but Archer turns in for the night. Uh, as Archer is sitting by the campfire, he hears someone calling his name. 
he grabs a flashlight and follows the voice into the jungle. Uh, there he sees a human woman wearing a nightgown, but she runs off as he approaches. Later, the Eska don't believe Archer's story. Uh, there are no other hunters in the party, so they don't know where this woman came from. Uh-huh. Mayweather calls to confirm that there are no other ships in the area. Uh, a scouting party consisting of T'Pol, Reed, and an Eska uh, returns and say they found nothing. T'Pol thinks Archer was dreaming, but Archer insists that it was real and that he has seen this woman before somewhere. Uh, Damaris thinks the constant night is making him see things. Hmm. Uh, the next day, Reed and the Eska are planning to go hunt a pack of firewolves. Uh, Damaris says they have only two days left as they are allowed to hunt only four days each year so that they don't wipe out the game. Uh, hunters often wait decades to come to the planet. Yep. Uh, Reed and the hunting party go off on their hunt. Uh, meanwhile, Archer, T'Pol, and Trip examine the thermal vents. Archer is preoccupied, however. Um, T'Pol goes off and Trip questions Archer if the woman actually exists. And again, Archer insists that she does and that he knows her somehow. Elsewhere, the hunting party has followed their prey, a female Drajan. When Damaris sees something that he calls a wraith, uh, Reed wants to check it out, but Damaris has one of his buddies and Reed take another path while Damaris and another Eska check out where the wraith was last seen. Uh, back at the thermal vents, Trip is taking pictures. Uh, Archer senses something and walks off, and he sees the woman again. Uh, she flees, and he chases after her. And she finally stops, and we can see her clearly. She says in English that she needs Archer because he's different. Uh, she starts getting tense because someone or something is trying to harm her. Trip and T'Pol show up, and the woman disappears. Uh, Damaris and his Eska buddy chase after the Wraith when his buddy gets attacked. At the campsite, everyone has regrouped. The guy who was attacked is screaming in agony. Uh, Damaris says the female Drajan attacked him. Archer tells him that Phlox can take care of him. And Damaris says that they should all go back to Enterprise, but Archer isn't ready to leave because he's obsessed with this woman. Mm-hmm. That no one else can see. Right. He's totally not going crazy. <laughs> he doesn't have space madness. No, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Later, Archer is in his tent, and T'Pol tells him that Reed has docked with Enterprise. Archer talks to T'Pol about the woman and how she spoke to him. Uh, T'Pol wants him to have Phlox check him out, uh, but he shows her evidence that he isn't hallucinating. Uh, he tells her that he's going to find the woman by himself. And uh, T'Pol says that she wonders if he would still chase after the ghost if she were a scantily clad man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to fall. Uh, in sick bay, Trip checks in. Uh, Fox has treated the injured Eska, but he wants to know what attacked the Eska because he found cellular residue that doesn't belong to the patient. The cells are mutating into something, but it's as if they don't know what they're mutating into. Hmm. Back on the planet at the thermal vents, Archer is looking for the woman. Uh, the woman grabs him from behind, proving that she's real. 
But though she appears human, she's not. She's part of a collective of beings that can become anything. And I initially thought she was a changeling from Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Like Odo? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a woman because he wants to see a woman. Uh, she knows what Archer wants because she can read his mind. Hmm. Uh, her appearance is of a woman whom Archer knows about but can't remember. Uh, she has reached out to Archer because he's different from the Eska. The Eska just hunt uh, her people, and it's what they prize most. Uh, back at the campsite, uh, Trip, Reed, and the injured Eska have returned. Uh, Archer keeps asking questions to see if the Eska will admit that they're really uh, hunting wraiths. Uh they talk about how they came to the planet because the prey is different than on their home planet. Uh-huh. Uh, the conversation continues and the Esker reveal that they are indeed hunting wraiths, which are shapeshifters. T'Pol argues that they sound intelligent, but the Eska dismissed this idea. Uh, they were hunting the Enterprise away team because they thought the away team were wraiths. Wraiths don't just take on the appearance of something. They actually assume its properties. Uh, Damaris says that wraiths are dangerous and that his father and eight hunters tried cornering some wraiths, but the wraiths had read their minds and knew their plan, and only Damaris's father and two other hunters survived. The Eska have learned to hunt them by detecting the chemical signature that is released when the wraiths panic. So they sound very intelligent. <laughs> yeah, but... Basically, they're they're hunting intelligent life forms. Right, which they claim they weren't doing. Mm-hmm, um, to begin with, right. And they're making excuses for why it's okay to hunt wraiths. Mm-hmm. On the Enterprise, in the Situation Room, Archer is upset at the hunters because they're hunting a sentient species. Uh, he wants to find a permanent solution so that the hunters don't return. And he asks flocks to create a way to mask the chemical that the race emit, which would level the playing field. Uh-huh. In the mess hall, Archer is staring out the window when Trip enters. Archer talks about a poem his mother would recite, The Song of the Wandering Angus by Yeats. Uh, the poem is about a man who catches a fish that becomes a beautiful woman and then disappears. Uh-huh. The yeah, man I remember then, that one, actually. The man then searches for the woman for the rest of his life. Uh, the woman Archer is seeing on the planet is the image he created of the woman from the poem. Oh. Uh, Phlox then calls and says he might have found something. On the planet, the Eska are hunting a wraith. It's taken the form of a Drajan that shifts into a tree. Uh, the hunters can't detect it, however. The wraith then transforms and attacks one of the hunters. The hunters are wondering whether scanners aren't detecting the wraiths now. They get surrounded, so they return to camp. At the campsite, the hunters are greeted by Archer and Trip. Damaris notes that they've never failed on a hunt before the Enterprise crew arrived, and Archer says that they must be bad luck. <laughs> At the thermal vents, Archer is waiting for the woman to appear, and she does. Archer asks if she gave the other race the masking agent, and she has. He thanks her for reminding him of the poem, and she tells him to never stop seeking the seemingly unobtainable. She says, don't forget me, and then she walks off and transforms into her true form, which looks like a giant slug. 
Uh, Archer kind of smiles and says, I won't. And that's the end of the episode. There you go. Well, will you forget this episode? That's the big question. Uh, maybe? Yeah. I thought it was okay. It was okay, but Mm -hmm. it was kind of a standard-ish episode. Yeah, it was just kind of like a, a, a mission of the week. Right. I, I think. Um, my, okay, so my one bone to pick. I mean, I think it's my one bone to pick. It's, it's gonna seem really nitpicky. But, okay, so you've got this rogue planet. It is adrift. Uh, it does ha- it has no sun. It is dark, so it's dark all the time. Right. Yet there, it seems to be covered by a, a dense jungle of plants that I'm assuming would be getting uh, their needs met by photosynthesis. <laughs> uh, because they look very much like earth plants. They look like green earth plants. Um, and so I'm guessing the green is from the chlorophyll, which is necessary for photosynthesis. Yet there's no sun and no light for photo- photosynthesis. Yet they are very healthy looking. <laughs> So unless someone's going to try to tell me that they're collecting uh, infrared light or they're somehow being fed by thermal vents, uh, I call foul. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) I don't think this is the most science-y Star Trek episode. Well, Uh, I mean, they have these magical beings that can read your mind and shapeshift into anything. Okay, okay, (laughs) okay. Um, I actually, I don't know about you, but when the the hunters first showed up, I I figured that they were going to end up uh, being like hunting prisoners or something, like the most dangerous game or the running man or something. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I thought, I I don't know. To me, that was kind of the, the, what was expected. I didn't expect it to be um, a psychic, uh, psychic shapeshifters. So that yeah. was different, at least. I mean, that was different, but on the other hand, I think it would be a little more engaging if they actually, if the way team were being hunted by this group of hunters. Mm. If or if the if the away team were being hunted, or if maybe. It was like a situation where the hunt, the, the Eska brought some people to hunt with them and kind of let them go and said, Hey, here's a head start, you know, and we're hunting them or something, you know, I just feel obviously there was a moral. I mean, at least this episode had a Star Trek style moral dilemma. Um, that didn't have a very, you know, I guess, I guess they did come up with a pretty clear cut solution, but. I would normally think, well, there isn't a big, there isn't a really clear cut solution because they, they were like, if we, how do we, you know, if we stop them from doing it this time, they're just going to come back. Right. Um, so they, they came up with a kind of a clever solution. Although um, it is a, another case of Archer interfering. Yeah. Well, I think, I kind of think the whole thing, like, obviously they wanted, the Enterprise wanted to investigate this rogue planet because it's, it's interesting. Like, it seemed like most of the crew didn't even know what a rogue planet was. <laughs> uh, so the, you know, I, obviously they wanted to land, but it was interesting that they, they found a ship on the surface that clearly it wasn't answering hails. They couldn't see any, you know, humanoid life forms. So clearly they didn't want to be bothered. Yet they kind of were like, hey, we're here. Uh, you know, we're here to bug you. <laughs> like they could have landed on the opposite side of the planet mm-hmm. and investigated things, but they decided to choose, 
where this other ship was oh. to kind of go bug them. Yeah, you, you got to ask the locals, right? Yeah. Uh, so the hunters were really shifty from the start. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no question that they were hiding something. Yeah, something was going on. They were just kind of like, ha, 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 you know? Yeah. There's a little little too big of a giveaway that something weird was going on with them. Yeah, they were not subtle. Yeah, like, no matter what it was, I I figured that they were up to no good. Right. Um, I don't know. I just thought this episode was just kind of whatever. Yeah. Wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. There have definitely been some of those episodes this season, but I feel like we got a little bit spoiled by some of the better episodes. Mm-hmm. And we just, you expect, okay, well, we're moving forwards in time, so everything that they, everything that they do that is good and, you know, everything that they do to improve the series should now be affecting future episodes. But then we come across ones that, you know, who knows what order they were aired in or meant to be aired in. And I guess they can't just lump all the good episodes together. Uh, but still, I mean, yeah, it was not a bad episode. It, um, I thought that the, the whole, uh, aspect of, uh, Enterprise, you know, finding out there was a secret, there was something going on, that, that there were these sentient, uh, psychic, uh, psychic, uh, shapeshifters that were being hunted was interesting. Although I would, I would argue that even the, the little, the little piggy guys, even those little piggy creatures, uh, were sentient, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was an Archer-centric episode, and Archer's mm-hmm. not necessarily my favorite character, so it's kind of... Mm, it's definitely not the most interesting. It's hard to get engaged. Um, engaged. Get it? No. <laughs> nope. Just shaking my head over here. Nope. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the solution was just so easy. It was just like, oh, hide this, hide their chemical they emit. Yeah. Kinda... It didn't really take a lot of uh, a lot of debate or a lot of thought. Yeah, we're just kind of okay. Yeah, we got an idea. Let's do this and then take off later. <laughs> and then Flox, the magical doctor, creates the solution. Yeah, he kind of solves everything. He's Flox. Well, um, I'm I, I continue to be excited to see what else happens. And I'm very interested by the next one. I have to admit. Uh, yeah, me too. I've, I'm guessing, like me, you've seen the brief synopsis of the episode. Uh, and, well, <laughs> and when you're watching these show episodes on Netflix, uh, sometimes the beginning when you're, plays. When you're, yeah, when you're finished, uh, they show you what the next episode's gonna be. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Next episode is Acquisition, mm. and it stars some of our big-eared friends. Uh, Vulcans again? Yep, more Vulcans. <laughs> more Vulcans! Yay! No, someone else. Because Vulcans are all about acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. Acquiring knowledge. True. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Until next week. Yep. Live long and prosper. 